we all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Ah, feel the whoa with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. Give online in our mobile app or text the word giving to 59769. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Taking sides, we're taking over. Any spirit now that would be in this atmosphere that would oppose the free flow of the word, every spirit of Jezebel, every Lilith, every witch warlock, any demonic force that's on our road, that's close to us, that's smirking at us, that's looking at us, that has tried to oppose the flow of the Holy Ghost, with the Spirit of the Lord lift up a standard against you now. And we declare this atmosphere is set free in liberty, that this atmosphere is ready, this atmosphere is primed, this atmosphere is stirred up for miracles, signs, and wonders. Father, we serve notice on anything that's been giving us trouble, that today the Lord trouble you. Today, anything that has been giving us issue, today the Lord gives it issues. We ask that the armory of the Lord be erected against anything that has erected itself against us. And it's in Jesus' name we declare an atmosphere that's ready to receive, an atmosphere that's going to produce signs, miracles, and wonders. In Jesus' name, everybody shout and give God praise in here. I said everybody shout and give God praise in here. Sometimes you got to take command and authority over your atmosphere when your atmosphere is not in alignment with where you're trying to go. Touch your neighbor. Say, everybody on this row is accelerating today. Say, everybody on this row is increasing today. Say, everybody on this row. Watch this. This is where you're going to shout. It's going to get a breakthrough before midnight. You, I, you better put a praise on that. Before midnight gets here, everybody on your, everybody in Dallas, everybody. Somebody holler breakthrough. Shout it again, breakthrough. Whenever you are advancing and something pushes against you, that's your opportunity to bust it in the mouth. That's what it is. I said, that's what it is. Somebody say breakthrough. Let me prophesy. Lift your hands. Whatever has been opposing your forward progress, if it's been in your mind, if it's been in your house, if it's been in your car, if it's been in your family, if it's been in your finances, today is a day of breakthrough. 
I said, today is the day of breakthrough. That means you're breaking through what was trying to break you down. Breaking through what was opposing you. May the Lord give you strength to break through. Give you focus to break through. Give you wisdom to break through. But before midnight, this is only for those that believe it. But before midnight, you will see breakthrough. God Almighty, I said before midnight, you will see. And if you believe it, give him one more great praise in here. Shanda Karabashata. Glory to God. Lift your Bibles, lift your Bibles, lift your Bibles. Stay with me for just a moment, Dallas. Lift your Bibles. Let's make this confession of faith together. I am unconditionally loved by God and at Harvest Church. I'm in my year of acceleration, accelerated progress, accelerated faith. This year, all I do is win. In Jesus' name, Selah. You can take it over there in Dallas. I want you to go to John 15 and 2. When you got it, say, I got it, Bishop. If you're still flipping, say, hold on, Bishop. If you're going to look on the screens, don't say nothing. I'm just joking. If you're going to look on the screens, then you're already there with me. John 15 and 2. I left my phone because I have the Harvest Mobile app. You can read the whole Bible in a year. If you've never read the Bible, it'll read it to you. You don't even have to read it. It'll read the Bible to you. John 15 and 2. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John is the beloved disciple. Say beloved. John gets a revelation of Jesus that everybody else doesn't get because John can be trusted with what everybody else couldn't be trusted with. Sometimes we want things that we haven't proven we can be trusted with. John was trusted with something greater than stuff. He was trusted with information. That's why the Bible, uh, that's why God gives him the revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, Apocalypto in the Greek, meaning the uncovering. God says, John, greater than trusting you with stuff, I'm going to trust you with information and revelation. Because when you get revelation, you always have the ability to change your situation no matter what situation you find yourself in. John 15 and 2. Jesus said, watch what Jesus said. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he gets rid of it. He takes it away. Now, now, look at me. Can I tell you something? Everything that you said, it looked like God took it. God said it wasn't fruitful. Every person that has walked out of your life and you're like, God, why are they gone? God says they were not fruitful. And they were stealing your fruit after you labored to get it there. If it's not fruitful, God says, I take it away. Is there anybody that can give God a praise for what he took? <laughs> you got to be mature to be able to do that because everybody can. Says every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Watch this. And every branch that bears fruit, watch it, he prunes. He cuts. So it can bear what? More fruit. I want to talk for this just a few minutes uh, this morning about this concept, say the pruning of the Lord. Father, I decrease now that you would increase. Speak now with clarity. Speak now with power that we would move and walk in those things that you have ordained. Today, we're learning how to fall forward. That is to maximize our failures, disappointments, and mistakes. Thank you for the stuff you took, for the people you allowed to lock out.
because there were certain things that we were holding on to that really in us holding on to them and holding on to that, we were really hurting ourselves. But today is the day that you declare to us that there is some stuff that had to be taken. But then there is some stuff, Father, that you say that you, uh, when we're producing fruit, you will prune us, you will cut us so that we can produce more. I declare fruitfulness over everybody under the sound of my voice. Fruitfulness like they've never seen before. Results like we've never seen before. Progress like we've never seen before. And we thank you that it is so in Jesus' name. Everybody shout hallelujah. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. We're in week six of this life-giving series called Fall Forward to learn from the Bible how to maximize failure, mistakes, and disappointment so we can make the decision not to fall down, not to fall backward, but to fall forward. Somebody say, I'm falling forward. Proverbs 24, 16 says, for a righteous man, and we've learned so far in this series that when you become a Christian, you are in righteousness. You are in right standing with God. It's not because you've done everything right. It's because Jesus did one thing right. And when he did that one thing right 2,000 years ago on the cross, he put us in right standing with him. That's what the word righteous means, which means when God looks at you, he doesn't see your failures. He doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see your issues. He doesn't see your jump. He doesn't see your drama. When God looks at you, he says they're in right standing with me, which means the reason I take the privilege to pray seriously is because it's a privilege I don't deserve. It's a privilege that I didn't work for. It's a privilege that I didn't earn. The reason I don't play when it comes to coming to church is because it's a privilege to lift my hands. It's a privilege to shout my voice. Why? Because I should be dead and gone. My sin should have taken me out a long time ago. But I'm standing because of the privilege that it gives me. Somebody say it's a privilege. It's a shame that in America, I'm going to have to just go where I want to go. It's a shame that in America, we have to be pumped and primed to praise a God that everything good you got, it ain't because of you. It's not because of your education. It's not because of your background. It's not because of how good you've been. The only good stuff you got going for you is that God looked beyond your fault and he sought to your need and he gave you grace and he gave you mercy. That's your neighbor say, it's the Lord's doing. Try another neighbor. Say, it's the Lord's doing. It's a shame that people that should be dead won't praise him when you're still alive. Let's just tell the truth about your story. You ain't always been good. You ain't always done stuff right. Some of you on a Sunday morning, you just be waking up from your hangover from the club. Don't sit up and look at him. Some of you be laid up in some man's bed that ain't your husband. You be laid up in somebody else's house. But because of the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. He makes us righteous as a gift. And the least we could do is be thankful because of the gift. I just need to check this room and see if there are any thankful people that are thankful for the gift. He didn't have to do it, but he did it anyhow. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. For a righteous man, that's a gift. You know, it's one thing I really don't like is unthankful people. When I didn't give people a shot and give people an opportunity and open doors for them, and them sorry suckers can't even be thankful. Watch this. Let me show you, let me show you how you're the same way. Let you let somebody over on the highway. And you didn't have to let them over. And they don't give you the thank you hand. You'll drive up and get an attitude and turn and look. So imagine what heaven does when it looks at all of what heaven has done for you and everything God's done for you and you sitting there with your arms crossed like you somebody. He 
he's been better to me than I've been to myself. Some of y'all, that disease should have killed you years ago, but grace, okay. Some of y'all, that divorce should have took you out, but grace. Some of you, your children, all the issues you've had with them should have made you lose your natural mind, but grace. For a righteous man, that's a gift, may fall seven times. He shall rise again. Say he'll fall forward. And last Sunday's message, we learned that sometimes we fail. Because of three lies that we can believe. I'm thankful. See, if I didn't say nothing else this morning, I could stay stuck right there for a righteous man. Think about it. After all the wrong you've done, ain't it a trip he lets you call yourself righteous? After all the stuff you and I have thought, let's tell the truth combined experience. All the crazy stuff we've thought. All the crazy stuff we've texted. All the crazy stuff we looked at. Y'all not talking. Isn't it amazing he calls you righteous? You're not doing God a favor by being in church. You're not doing God a favor by clapping. You're not doing God a favor by giving. That's the least you could do for somebody giving you something you don't deserve. You'd feel indebted to that person. Think about it. If, if somebody shaved, saved you from a burning house, your house was on fire and you were about to die, and they ran in and saved you, every time you saw them, you'd, you'd communicate your gratitude to them. And if they ever asked you for anything, you'd say, no problem. It's my privilege. Because if you didn't do what you did, I wouldn't be standing right here. See, sometimes in life, we just got to pause for the cause and realize, God, we're thankful. And the reason we get back up again is because we're thankful. For a righteous man may fall seven times, but he'll rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. In other words, the Bible says when you're righteous in right standing with God... And that means you're believing. If you're not, by the end of this experience, you're going to have an opportunity to become one. The scripture says that you shall rise again. In, in other words, God says you get a next time. You get a do-over. You get a reset. In other words, it's never final. What's never final, Bishop? Failure. Why? Because I get a reset. I get a do-over. And I get a new beginning. Somebody say, I get a new beginning. In last Sunday's message, we learned that sometimes we can fail because of the three lies we can believe. And when you find the lives you believe, you'll find the lessons you need to succeed. And so uh, 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 you find the lessons that you're able to use next time. This is for somebody, not everybody. You're in your next time. Uh, for somebody who felt like you blew it too big, you messed up too bad, you did too much wrong, you did too much dirt, this, that, and the other, I'm going to tell you, God says you're in your next time. Say, I'm in my next time. Three lies we learned last week. Lie number one in the message, liar, liar. We can reap something different than what we sowed. We learned that you can't reap something different than what you've sown. Watch this. But here's another principle to that. You can't reap what you haven't sown. And that's the problem with many people uh, in, in culture today is they are expecting harvests that aren't coming so they feel entitled to what's not theirs. Let's just tell the truth. We live in a very entitled time in America where everybody feels entitled to everything simply because of innocuous things. And if you'll say amen, I'll leave it alone and I won't go deeper there. 
We, we live in a time where we are, are so entitled and we expect stuff that we did not sow. We expect harvest we didn't sow for. We expect results we didn't work for. We expect loyalty we didn't give. We expect love we haven't offered. We expect people to do right when we didn't do right. We expect things that we did not sow. And that's a lie. Somebody say liar, liar. Second lie that we learned last week that can cause failure, disappointment, and mistake is that uh, it was this. It says, I can be in the God, but not in church. Say liar, liar. liar. Not attending church faithfully is like never going to school and expecting to pass the test. I went to see a movie <clears throat> this week. It was called Night School. And, um, and, and, and in, the movie, in the movie, I was really hoping to really laugh a whole lot in the movie. And in, I was really hoping to laugh a whole lot in the movie. <laughs> Good movie. I was really hoping to laugh a whole lot in the movie. Uh, well, I says, uh, in, the, in the movie, the central character, he never went to school. And, uh, and he was focused on sports and friends and, and being cool and all that. So that when it came time to take the test, he didn't know what to do. And, uh, later on in the movie, spoiler alert, I'm just, listen, trust me. For those of you, this was your after Sunday church plan. I just saved you $13.50. <laughs> but he later discovered he had some learning disabilities. Watch this. But he never was able to learn about his learning disabilities because he never did the work. So because he never did the work, nobody was able to show him this is what's wrong with you. Because he was so focused on the wrong stuff. Some folk, what they do is when they think they need God, they run to God. And the moment they think they're good, they're like, I'm good. I don't need church this week. I don't need, I don't need God today. Things are, getting, things are getting better. So, God, I'm good. And God is like, but well, what you don't understand is there's something behind your learning issue. There's something behind that you need to deal with. But because you won't be consistent to come into class, you keep failing the test. Not realizing the reason you failed the test is because there's some stuff that's been running after you that you didn't know. There's some stuff that was chasing you down you didn't know about. There's some generational things that have been in your bloodline that have been chasing you, trying to beat you over the head that you didn't know anything about because you didn't go to class. But you expect to pass the test. Test never said you can't miss class. That's not how this works. Lie number three we learned last week was this. I can do life my way and get God results. Liar, liar. In the Bible, and we're getting to the new message today, there's this pattern that emerges. God was first in these five areas of people's lives, these five T's. You see them throughout the Bible. First was time, that was church attendance. Second was talent, that was serving in church. Third was testimony, that was inviting people to church. Fourth was their treasure, the faithful giving of their tithes, offerings, first fruits, love offerings. And then finally, and we got an infographic for you too, in case you don't know the five T's by now. And then thirst, that's passion in your prayer, praise, and worship. Say five T's. Now, not Mr. T, not Ice T, say fire T's. Now, 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 when God was first in those five areas, here's what would happen. They would start doing well. Here was the problem. They thought it was them. They didn't realize that the reason they were doing well was not because of them, but because of their adherence, uh, their adherence rather, to the principles that they practiced. So, God, the only way he could get their attention, some people you can talk to. Some people you have to show. Sometimes God can show you better than he can tell you. Okay, let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you married folks. Sometimes there's things you're trying to communicate to your spouse that they're just not hearing. But when you show them, 
Y'all getting quiet. All right, let me hit the parents then. Let me hit the parents. Parents, some stuff you can tell your son, tell your daughter all day, every day. Son, do this. Son, do this. Daughter, do this. Daughter, do this. And they don't get it. But when you show them, and normally you have to show them by taking something. When you show them, all of a sudden now they get it. So God was like, y'all aren't listening. They would, and here's the trip. They would go as Hebrews, they would go every week and they would learn the word, Torah as Hebrews. They would learn the word. And here's the trip. They'd walk out of church with their with they good, nice clutches and they, and they good they prayer shawls and all that. They walk out of church. And you want to know what they would do differently? Nothing. They would say, ooh, that's good. That's so good. Ooh, that's good. Say it, Rabbi. That's good. That's good. And they would change nothing. And so you know what God eventually did? God eventually said, okay, I need to show you better than I can tell you because you keep playing with me. And God was like, I'm not to be played with. See, you think I'm like your, your, your kinfolk now. You play with them. God says, I am king of kings and lord of lords and the great I am. And you don't play with me. So God was like, okay. So, so God would do this. God would let an enemy rise up against them. Often, God would be the source of their enemy. What do you mean? God would pick an enemy and then give them power. If you read your Bible, there's this man called Nebuchadnezzar. He's, he's the king of Babylon. And what's interesting is, is that he rises to power, but he rises to power because God picks him. God picks him to rise to power because God says, I need somebody to get them to act right because I can't tell them I have to show them. Can I tell you some of the reason you can't rebuke your enemy is because your enemy's not from Satan. Your enemy actually was empowered by God because God says the only time you listen is when you got an enemy. The only time you pray is when you got an enemy. So sometimes I have to show you better than I can tell you. So he empowers this man called Nebuchadnezzar, whose name in Hebrew means protect my children. In other words, he's their enemy. But what their enemy doesn't know is he is used as a pawn in God's divine chess match and God's divine chess game to get his people to be shown something that they would not listen to. Still here? So, so here's what would happen. He'd raise up this enemy against them. Then they'd lose a lot. And when they started losing stuff, then they started crying out. Isn't it amazing how a little pain will make you change your song? They started losing stuff. And, you know, at first it was just a little something. Then it'd be more. Then they'd lose some more. Then they'd, then they'd be like, Lord, save us. Lord, we're going to come back to you. Lord, we're going to do right. <laughs> Jesus, give us one more chance. <laughs> Watch this. Then guess what God would do? Then God would uh, give them an opportunity. He'd send a deliverer. That deliverer would get them out, and they'd say, I'm going to do right. I'm going to do right. You ever had a conversation with somebody, and you just knew that was the final conversation you're going to have to have about that issue? Because they promised you the sun, the moon, the rain, the stars, everything and more. To only after that, the very next day, so are you really doing the same thing? Where the honest people are you? you? You ever had a conversation leaders with the employee and you said, this is what it's going to be, this, that, and the other. The employee walks out your office and you think, this is going to be great. It's going to be a wonderful week. The only had that employee turn something in and you say, 
Parents, you ever talk to your children and you really had a heart-to-heart because you shared all of your mistakes, failures, disappointments, and all that, and you're like, they really got it. They got it today. Praise him. Hallelujah. And you, you sending in praise reports. God is really good, Bishop. I had a heart-to-heart with my kids and all that, and they're going to act right. And then the very next morning, they act like Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, and Jason put together. So, 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 so one time, one time they did that, and I'm, I'm getting to this new material. One time they did that, and in Jeremiah chapter 3, we learned this, and I'm coming back to it because I want you to get it because it builds. Say it builds. It builds from last Sunday's message. Jeremiah 3, 3. Therefore, the showers have been withheld. They had started doing this whole, God, we're going to do our own thing. We're going to do life our way, but we want your results. So God is like, okay, cool. He says, I tell you what, that's why the showers have been withheld. They sang a song talking about, Lord, send your rain. Here's the problem. Here's the issue with rain is that God controls it. So, 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 so you're like, well, it seems like, watch this. It seems like things are doing good and I'm not doing stuff God's way. God says, you're just still eating fruit that was already there. What you don't know is I stopped the rain. Sometimes God will terminate you and you not get the pink slip until you ain't got nothing else there. Not because he's mad at you, not because he's trying to beat you up, but because he's trying to build you up. God loves you too much to let you make a mess out of the life he's given you. Does your neighbor say he paid too big of a price for you? You are not a mistake. You're not a failure. You're not jumped. You're not trash. You're not thrown down. And sometimes God has to show you better than he can tell you. And so he says, therefore, the showers have been with hail. What's that mean? Failed crops disappointment watch this and no fruit although they labored see a failed crop means i labored to plant it i just didn't get anything from it watch this and there's been no latter rain you have had a harlot's forehead now king james version says you've had a whore's forehead and urban colloquialism we say you are a chicken head somebody like what is that it's a song it's a song it's a song God says, God says to his people, he says, you are so stubborn because you think what you have, you did it yourself. You're so stubborn that you won't even hear correction when it's sitting across the dinner table from you. You're so stubborn, not because you're even mad at God. You're mad at your daddy, but you take it out on authority figures. Not even because you're mad at God. You're mad at your mama, so you take it out on authority figures. Anybody who's in any type of authority, you have an issue with them and an art with them, and ain't nobody going to tell me nothing. And God says, you're right. We can't tell you, so I'll show you. I will take and take and take and take and take until you give and give and give and give. And I think there's some people where if you're honest with yourself, there's been some areas of your life where you've been, bah, bah, you've been the chicken head. But today, I just think there's some people that say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. I'm getting out of my own way. Here's the trip about these people. They went to church every week. He was talking to his people, not non-church folk. It's quiet in the church. Why is it so quiet in here? So, 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 so he says at the end of that verse, he says, you refuse to be ashamed. Shame here means change. The Bible says godly sorrow produces repentance. He says, you refuse to change. He says, you'll do wrong and sit up. And feel justified in your wrong. You'll talk crazy to people you. Let me leave that alone. 
If you keep shouting like that, I'm going to go on and hit that ball up out the park. You'll talk crazy to people you need to give you a job and feel justified in it. I'm going to leave it right there. Say amen to that. And from here. He, he said, he said, he said, you refuse to change. You, you have sin privilege. Let's just go to work. They ain't going to say that. So let's go to work. I'm cool. I was good before I got here. I'm good. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. You have sin privilege. Privilege makes you think the rules don't apply to you. So in America, we talk about all these different types of privileges. What about your I can do what I want to do privilege? I read what the word said, but I believe. Okay, move on, move on. So look at verse 14. Return, O backsliding children. This is where that term comes from. If you grew up in an old school church, you used to always say, if there's a backslider in the house, backsliding. What was he really saying? He was saying, you've lost the ability to fall forward because you're hard-headed. So when you fall, you don't fall forward, you fall back. Like back, back, but no forth and forth. That's what Aaliyah said. That's what she said. Back, back, but you don't get to say the rest of the verse. There is no fourth and four. This is why some people feel stagnant. They feel depressed. They feel discouraged. They wake up and feel like there's a cloud over them. Because God says, you have a chicken head. But listen what he says. But I'm married to you. He's like, here's the deal. You may not be faithful to your vows. But I'm going to be faithful to my vows. And my vow says, if you make your bed in hell, I'll still be there. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. But watch this. I may have to show you something sometimes. Oh, I, I may have to put a hurting on you sometimes. But I'm not leaving you. Where are the people that can thank God that even though you may be unfaithful to your vows, that God's still faithful to his vows? He says, I'm married to you, and even if you walk away from me, I'm not walking away from you. Just don't stay out there too long, because you'll keep losing. And before everything's gone, stop walking. Stop being a chicken head, and come on, return. Somebody say return. So, so, so watch this. When they were returning to the Lord, here's what's implied. Something has to be left. If I left doing things God's way, got it? So this rug is God's way. Say this is God's way. If I leave doing things God's way and I go over, this rug is your way. Got it? Don't even talk about the devil because some of that stuff ain't the devil. That's you. That's your mama and what she said. That's your daddy and what he said. That, that's yes, generational stuff. All right, so this is doing it your way. If I left doing it God's way and God says return to me, say return. If I return to doing it his way, what does that imply? I have to leave something. You, you, you're going to catch it in a minute. You're going to catch me. In other words, something has to be cut. 
because I left doing it his way to go do it my way. But if he says return, I got to cut something off here so that I can return to doing it his way. And there's a word in the Bible for that. It's called pruning. And to prune is to cut away, watch this, dead or overgrown branches to increase fruitfulness and growth. Say it again. It's to cut away. Say cut away. Dead and overgrown branches to increase fruitfulness and growth. Remember, the text says they had a lack of fruitfulness, which is a failure to produce. So God says, in order to get you to produce, I need to prune. Pruning has a purpose because God's math is different from ours, as he often subtracts lesser nouns in order to add greater nouns. You know a noun, people, places, things, and idea. God says, I'll take away the lesser in order to add the greater. See, pruning is designed to produce more progress, and it can be done one of two ways. Say, what two ways, Bishop? First Corinthians 11, 31 and 32 says this. For if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, when we are chastened by the Lord or corrected by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. To judge in First Corinthians means this. It means to prune. And that verse shows us that there are two ways to initiate pruning. You can self-prune. That's a choice. Or you can be sovereignly pruned. That's by force. You can cut yourself. And I do not mean that literally, Denver. I'm just cutting myself for God's glory. Stop it and get some help. Now, I'm being very serious. I'm being very serious. Oh, God. I said, I'm being very serious. You, you slamming your fist into the wall and busting up your hand. All right, Charity. <laughs> From Greenleaf. Okay, my sister. <laughs> my sister. He says, God says, you can do it yourself or... I'll do it. See, say self or sovereign. Sovereign means by God. And anything God does, God doesn't take sides. God takes over. So he will force it. If you self-prune, you won't have to be sovereignly pruned, but either way, you will be pruned to create acceleration. Judge yourself. Prune yourself, and you won't have to be pruned. Have you ever noticed in the animal kingdom how you see these animals and they give themselves baths and they're doing all that and they're doing all that? And think about it. You, we're, 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 you know, we're mammals and all that. We cut our nails, cut our hair, bathe, all that. You prune yourself. <laughs> we prune ourselves, right? Why do you do that? So nobody has to do it for you. So here's the point. God says either you self-correct, self-prune. Or I'll sovereignly prune. And when I sovereignly prune, you don't get a say-so anymore. I'll take it overnight. I, I wish I had some honest folk. I'll do it like this. You wouldn't do it, so now I'll do it for you. But when I do it, you have no say on the matter. I hear what I'm saying. God pulls rank and he says, nope. You wouldn't get rid of that bad relationship, so I took it. Lord, why? Oh, you can't appeal my decision. My mind is made up. You, you wouldn't repent and apologize for who you were robbing. So now I took the opportunity. Am I changing my mind? You wouldn't change courses. So now I'll just take the whole course away. God, I thought you loved me. I do. This is love. I love you too much to let you go unpruned. 
it's quiet in here, but somebody's going to get this word today. See, sometimes the breakthrough that you need in you is to thank him for the cutting, to thank him for the pruning, to thank him for the chastisement. The most mature people are not the people who always want to be coddled. It's the people who want to be challenged. You know you're mature when you say, you know what? No, don't give it to me nice and easy. Y- y'all remember, uh, uh, y'all remember Ike and Tina? And, and I, Anna has this song where she starts. She says, every now and then, I think you might like to hear something from us. <laughs> nice and easy. Come on, proud Mary. We're going to take the beginning of this song. We're going nice and easy. But at the end of the song... We're going to do it rough. <laughs> now, now, check it out, 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 check it out. God says, God says, you're mature when you don't want to waste time trying to be handled with excessive care. Some of us want everything in life to be so nice. And easy. And God is like, that's why it's been 15 years. Because you want it nice and easy. But if you just learn how to handle it rough, God says you can work at acceleration and move at an accelerated pace. Because we have this image in American Christianity. It's the only place that exists is in American Christianity. It doesn't exist in Christianity of the Bible. It only exists in American Christianity, which don't think that that is necessarily Christianity because it's been politicized and weaponized. Only in American Christianity does God's love remove the necessity for change. Only in American Christianity can you just do whatever you want to do and God is like, it's okay. See, we come just as we are. And that's good news, because if we could, none of us could come. But then, here's what real love does. Real love makes you want to change. It makes you want to do better. It makes you want to change how you talk, change how you walk, change how you act. Real love isn't just compassion. Real love is compassion and truth, which means while he's being compassionate with me, he's also telling me the truth about me. Yesterday, 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 yesterday. Can I tell you confession? These are my confessions. Uh, yesterday, I was having this little, little, little thing. Yesterday morning, I said, Lord, and, you know, I was just going down this list of things. And, and then I'd be like, but, Lord, you've been good. And then he'd be like, so why you say all that? <laughs> Anybody ever been there? <laughs> ever been there where you just kind of start, your mind just, you, you didn't take the thoughts captive? And so now the thoughts are trying to captivate you? And, and so I didn't do that. And so, and so I, I, was, I was sitting there and doing all that. And then I said, Lord, this, this. And then I said, Lord, you know, come on. I said, geez, Louise. I said, my God. He said, son. He says, he says let me give you a message. And he, he said, there's some pruning you haven't done. And I've been waiting on you to do it. So that I would do it. So you would do it, and I wouldn't have to do it. He said, because what you just said is all stuff that's in your control. He said, so why haven't you pruned yet? And I got up, 
I ate and started pruning. Touch the neighbor and say, let's do the work. Y'all ready to prune? All right, here it is. Here it is. What needs to be pruned is easy as A, B, C, and you get a bonus point, D. Here's the first thing that needs to be pruned. Asinine attitudes. Deuteronomy 22.10, King James Version. Let's go back there for just a moment. Deuteronomy 22.10, King James Version. Here's what it says. It says, thou shalt not plow. You read it, church. Y'all see that for yourselves? As here refers to a donkey. More specifically in scripture, a jackass, which was a male ass. Now, check this out. Uh, they called a jenny was what they called a female donkey. Now, I want you to see this. I want you to get this. I've taught extensively about this in past messages. In fact, one year, it was basically in every message this scripture. Because the Bible prohibits us. It specifically forbids us from plowing. Plowing means to do life with, to plan with, to go along with, to communicate with an ox and an ass. And we talked a lot in those, those series of messages a couple of years ago. We talked a lot about uh, asses in the form of people. But check this out. I want to ask you this question. What if you were the ox and the ass was your attitude? What if you were working hard and then stifling your own efforts because of your attitude? An attitude is a settled way of thinking or feeling. What if you were great except for your attitude? What if you were talented and skilled except for your attitude? What do you mean attitude? It's my settled way of thinking. So if you think like a victim, you can try to be victorious, but your ass attitude is always going to go back to making you a victim. You can say you're more than a conqueror, but if you've got an asinine attitude on the inside of you, you will continue to be conquered. What if the issue wasn't your circumstances, but what if the issue was the asinine attitude in you? You ever met somebody that was great except for their attitude? Watch this. Okay, watch this. Watch this. Can we be real? Can we be super real? You ever met a very beautiful woman, or let's make it equal opportunity, or a handsome man? And then you saw their attitude, and you were like, oh, no. No thanks. She's only pretty to look at, not to talk to. He's only nice to look at. Now, I wish y'all would be honest with me. Some of y'all, that's the reason why you didn't get with them, because they looked good from afar, but the moment they started talking, you said, O-M-G-I-J-S, you've got to asinine attitude you're so defeated you're so negative you're so crazy you're so this that and the other what if you were the ox and you were working hard but the thing stopping you wasn't the devil it was your attitude it was how you approached leadership it was how you approached the business. It was how you approached people. It's in how you approach circumstances and situations. It's in how you handle your business. What if your settled way of thinking needed to be pruned? Needed to be cut. But, but uh-huh, I'm right in there. I'm all up in there. What if, what if, what if you've been fighting all this external stuff, but the thing that's actually bucking is in here? I'm going to do it. I'm finally going to do it. I'm going to take this step of faith on Monday. Then it looks scary. All right. God, I ain't going to do it. And you're like, the devil just attacked me with fear. No. There's an ass somewhere. I'm not cussing. Just so you understand, I'm reading the Bible. Put the verse up. That way we all going to do it together. So you ain't going to leave this church talking about that bishop was cussing. You ain't going to lie on me. One, two, ready, let's read. Thou shalt not plot. You read it. 
thou shalt not. Moses thought it was such a big deal, he commanded them, don't you do this. Here's what I've discovered about many people. They're great, except for their attitudes. Except for their attitudes. Their attitudes about work. This is the first time I, uh, you know, I, I, ain't, I ain't father time. This is the first time where, where we have a generation of people who want to get paid, but don't want to work. Y'all have seen something like that? And don't get it twisted. It ain't just a millennial thing. No, it's, a, it's an American thing. I want to come to my job, sit at my desk, and be on their computer on their time doing other stuff. And still get a check. I want to be on Instagram all day. Ain't checking my emails, ain't checking my voicemail. Stuff is piling up. But I'm on Instagram. You see me? Look at me. Bossing up. You ain't bossing up. You got an ass attitude. We want great relationships, but we don't want to speak life to who we're in relationship with. Give me, 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 give me some more. Y'all ain't really saying nothing. I'm cool with it, though. This is a settled way of thinking. Settled way of thinking. If every time you're presented with an opportunity to do something great, if you start pulling it down, breaking it down, all that, I can't do it. I'm not strong enough. I don't know. I don't know. Some people, here's what I really discovered, is in life they felt so taken advantage of that they have passive-aggressive responses to demands for higher accountability. So whenever somebody starts calling you to a higher level of excellence, a higher level of life, a higher level of accountability, you're like, nah, nah I ain't in all that. I'm, I'm not really, you know, I'm just trying to just do my thing. And God says, I'm not into your thing. You need to get into my thing because I'm not coming to be a part of your thing. Denver, you ain't got to say amen. It's right anyhow. Preach, Bishop. I brought my own shouting section. He's right over there. Shout me. Shout me. All right, watch this. Watch this. Here's what asinine means, silly. Silly rabbit. What if, what if your attitude was working against you? You know, let, let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you. Um, in life, when you're strong and heaven knows you're strong, you're dealt different hands. Your hand has more than the next person because you can handle more than the next person. Bishop, give me a scripture and give authority to some with hundreds, some with fifties, some with tens. He, he, said, he said some people can't handle hundreds, they can handle tens. You can handle hundreds, so watch this. You're both given, watch this, you're both given responsibility but at different levels. And I can trust you with this level of responsibility. What if some of what you were facing, God was like, I'm telling you I can trust you with that, but your attitude just keeps... Let's move on. The first one is A, say attitude. Say, Lord, deliver me from asinine attitudes, from silly attitudes that are stopping my progress. Let me talk to you single ladies for a minute since y'all ain't saying nothing, and then I'm ready to ride. Watch. It ain't no good men out there. 
Let me tell you where the problem is. It's not out there. Because you need to ask yourself why you keep attracting projects. Ain't no good men out there. No, not at the club. You're right. They're not at there. Exactly. Duh, duh, duh. Ooh, ooh, that's not the, ooh, ooh. Go on and get that Jenny up out of you. That's what donkeys do. Fellas, there just ain't no good women out there. <laughs> no, not, not at the strip club. That's right. They're not there. That's true. They're not there. And not, okay, let me leave that alone. Let me leave that alone. Let me, oh God, say amen. And not if you're picking them because of how they look. <laughs> Only. <laughs> Y'all here? What if your attitude is why you kept meeting Ikes? What if your attitude is why you keep finding video girls? What if your attitude is why you can't have a good marriage because you're so busy putting your nose in everybody else's marriage? They look so happy on Instagram. On Instagram, that's where they look happy. You know why they had to put it on there? Because that's the only place it's real. If it's real, you ain't got to tell the world. Just let it be real. This is my boo, we are so happy. Family time. Give it until November. Here's the second thing you gotta prove. Second thing you gotta prove. Second thing you gotta prove. I know this is just a real direct message. And I don't want, I don't want to be accused before God because see, I'm not accountable to you. Right, this ain't Harvest Missionary Baptist Church. The members don't vote here. So I'm not accountable to you. The Bible says I'm accountable to God. So one day, I'm going to have to stand in front of them. And oh, what a day that will be. And I hope it's a long time from now. And when I stand in front of them, I will not have Michael and Gabriel and them reading off. Now, you're supposed to preach this. But instead, you didn't because you were so concerned about sugarcoating it and candy coating it and giving them high carbohydrate diets. And so, no. No what, sir? <laughs> please, please, let me in. Let me in now. Let me in now. Jesus Christ, let me in now. So because I have to stand in front of him one day and give an account for it, sometimes the messages, you know, just have to be real direct. All right? And apparently America likes that, so we should be good. B, bitterness. That needs to be pruned. Here's bitterness. Angry, hurt, resentful because of one's bad experience. Watch this. Or a sense of unjust treatment. Here's the thing about bitterness. You don't have to be treated bad to think you were treated bad and be bitter about something that never actually happened. You can be bitter about something that never actually happened. So it makes you full of anger, full of acrimony because of a painful or unpleasant to accept or contemplate experience that you've had. And Hebrews 12, 15 explains what happens when bitterness gets in. Bitterness is the pain of, uh, it's the residue of a painful experience. And what I've discovered is that I've talked about bitterness several times so far this year because bitterness is not just based off of facts. Bitterness is also based off of, watch this, fiction. You can be bitter about something that didn't happen that way. 
But because of your attitude, you've now told yourself this is what happened. So it couldn't have possibly been that you were fired because you were a poor performer. You were fired because they were out to get you. It's quiet in the church. It couldn't have been that they were asking. Let me leave it alone. Hebrews 12, 15. Hebrews 12, 15. Hebrews. God likes coffee. How you know, Bishop? Hebrews. Y'all need to read y'all's Bible, man. Hebrews 12, 15. So growing up in the South, you drink coffee, even as little kids. That's what you do. You have coffee. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You have coffee. And you don't just have a mug of coffee. In the South, they give you a mason jar full of coffee. And, and so, and so when, I, when I was a kid, uh, 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 we call we call him Mimi. She, she would uh, she'd make me these big old, big old things of coffee. And so, you know, I'd drink my coffee, put my little hand on my hip and drink my coffee. And it, it was really, basically, it was sugar. <laughs> about this much coffee. About this much sugar and milk. Because I was like, that coffee, no, put some more in there. That's just, that coffee, that's, no, that's, no, uh-uh, uh-uh. So now, now what I do is I will drink it for the taste and then throw it away. So I'll make a big old pot. Save it for you, sure. <laughs> in that case, you can have a whole lot of coffee. And then I'll put a little bit in there, and I do it the same way. I fill up the cup with about this much creamer. And now they got these gourmet creamers now with you. It ain't just a little thing. No, I got these gourmet. I build about this much creamer, about this much coffee. I mix it up. I'm good. Somebody say Hebrews. Hebrews. <laughs> Hebrews. Verse 15. Looking carefully, lest anybody fall short of the grace of God. Watch it. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. Bitter people make better people bitter people. And by this, many become defiled. Here's bitterness. Is it stinks over here, so now it stinks everywhere. You ever been able to see a baby that had, had, had uh, uh, used the, the restroom, but didn't see the baby, but you smelt the aftermath? That's bitterness. I didn't see what happened, but I can smell the bitterness. So, so watch what the verse says. Uh, uh, and by this many become defiled. Verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Profanity in scripture is not what we think it is. We think of different four-letter words and all that and, and, and then we say profanity. That's not profanity in scripture. In scri praise him. In scripture, profane is explained in verse 17. For you know that afterward when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Why? For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. What happened? What happened? How do we go from bitterness to Esau not being able uh, to, to, to get back what he lost? His bitterness caused him to make bad decisions that he couldn't reverse later. To everybody who says, well, it don't matter how I treat people, it don't matter how I do this, everything is replaceable. Some relationships aren't replaceable. Some people aren't replaceable. Some opportunities aren't replaceable. Touch your neighbor and say, some things can't be replaced. 
And when you're bitter, you're controlled by invisible strings. And you can think your wrong decision is right because bitterness is like unforgiveness that is fermented so it turns into alcohol. And when you have too much alcohol, you act like a drunk. And normally you act like a drunk with people who didn't do anything to you. I got you. Let me ask it this way. <laughs> let me ask it this way. Um, anybody ever known of someone to be drunk? Known of someone. Now, now, we have all these images when we think of drunk. You know, you, you know, there's stumble, stutter, don't know where they're going, don't know who they left with. Like, you know, you have all these images, you know, cuss, holler, scream, go to sleep. We have all these images because everybody responds to alcohol differently. Here's the point. The problem is, oftentimes you hear people who get drunk say this. I did that? You, anybody ever known of somebody to do that? Okay. And I'm not saying this to be judgmental and beat nobody up. Because listen, if it wasn't for the grace of God, just wink at your neighbor. Just that, you ain't fooling nobody. Thank God for his grace. You understand what I'm saying? In the book of Acts, they said, we think they're drunk. Now, here's what that tells me when they got filled with the Holy Ghost. What that tells me is that was a, that was a very plausible accusation. So evidently, at some point, they used to. So they were like, I think this is what they're doing now. What are you trying to say, Bishop? Everybody has a BC. Everybody has a right now. And here's the grace of God. Everybody has a tomorrow. So don't take anything I'm saying as a beat up or a beat down or anything like that. Here it is. Let's finish. All right. So you have all these different images of drunk. Here's the thing. When they wake up, they will often say, did I do that? What happened? Man, last night is such a blur. Here's the problem when you're bitter. That's how you live. Once you come out of your little mad, you're like, did I say that to them? Did I do that? Did I act that way? Did I send that email? Did I send that Facebook? Did, did I post that? Did I say that? Because bitterness has you drunk. So you just stumbling. You're stumbling. Because bitterness has got you drunk. And you normally act the fool with people who didn't do anything to you. You're bitter with your mother, but because your wife is so close, you act drunk with her. You're bitter, you're bitter, you're bitter with your childhood. But because the people are so close to you or around you, they're the ones you act drunk with. It's quiet in the church. Say, Lord, deliver me from bitterness. Esau made such a horrible decision, and the Bible says there was no repentance found for him. Esau gives up his birthright. He gives up the right to be his daddy's son. And then when he realizes, oh, my God, I just messed up my relationship with my father, he's like, oh, I want it back. And his father was like, I can't. The birthright's been given to somebody else because you didn't value it. No, I want it. I want it. I want it. I want it now. 
that is like, best I can do for you, son. God bless you. Be encouraged. But Jacob got it. It's not yours anymore. Can't you undo it? Too late. Barbara Gay had a song said it's too late. It's one person that said song. What if there were certain things in your life where bitterness made you miss the moment? Here's the good news. So where's the good news, Bishop? If you're still breathing, God's not done yet. So this isn't for everybody, but this is for somebody. You need the heart of somebody to turn when it shouldn't. And the Holy Ghost has said, son, announce to somebody in that experience today that in this moment, because they were serious when they said, Lord, deliver me from bitterness, I'm going to turn the heart of somebody you need to favor you to favor you, and I'm going to do it now. That ain't for everybody, but that's for somebody. Somebody going to get a call. You're going to get an email. Favors go knock at your door. Let's finish. Let's finish. That's A. A is asinine attitudes. Here's B. Bitterness. Here's C. Crazy confessions. So says Proverbs 6.2. It says this. You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Look at this. He says you are trapped is what snared means. You're trapped by the words of your mouth. You're taken with the words of your mouth. Sometimes what we need to prune isn't just our attitude. It isn't just bitterness. Sometimes what we need to prune is our crazy confessions. And here's the trip about it. If you have a bad attitude and bitterness, normally you'll have crazy confessions. See how it builds? Let's just be honest. How many of us over the last two months, we've had some crazy confessions come out of our mouth? I said some crazy stuff. But that's, we all have. You even said some stuff that when you look back on it, you, you start crying. Saying, my God, did I really say that? Did I really? How, how many folks, you remember when you were growing up and you were having your little kid moment? And, and in, in your little kid moment, you said stuff to your parents. And you talk about you're going to run away and you hate them. And little Jimmy's mama don't do this and all that. And then, and then later on, God repaid you with a child. And, and you had to call yours and say, I just want you to know I apologize. Believe me, I do. I apologize, honest and true. I know I was wrong. So I sing you this song. Watch. Say crazy confessions. Sometimes when we got an attitude that's bucking because of bitterness, sometimes we'll say crazy stuff. Sometimes we'll say stuff like, God, you don't love me. You don't care about me. You're not for me. Matter of fact, nothing is working. Things aren't right. This is the mess. I don't, God, just... And you'll say all of that stuff. And then watch what he'll do. Then he'll bless you. You'll be like, Lord. <laughs> say, Lord, deliver me Lord, from crazy confessions. Crazy. Here's the last one. I'm done. Are you learning something today, church? Yes, sir. The D is distractions. Delayed pruning creates distractions that cause delay. Delayed pruning creates distractions that cause delay. Psalm 119 and 60. See, whenever you don't prune something, it's overgrown. 
When it's overgrown, it's a distraction. When it's a distraction, it creates delay because you're busy dealing with something that's overgrown. You get it? So what ends up happening is a lot of times we're like, I'm just so distracted. And, and Lord, just remove every distraction. And so his answer to somebody today is for you to remove distractions, what you actually have to do is prune. For you to not feel distracted, it's you have to have to prune some things. Look at Psalm 119.60. I made haste and I did not delay to keep your commandments. The psalmist says, I hurried up and did it. I did it quickly. Say quickly. I want to say something to you, and, and, and uh, this whole message has been real direct. I want to say something to you, though, that, that the Lord said to me yesterday. He, he, he said, it was real powerful. You know what he said? He said, what is taking you so long? I said, yes, sir. He said, what is taking you so long to prune what needs to be pruned? to change what needs to be changed, to deal with what needs to be dealt with. He said, you have distractions, but your distractions are because of delayed pruning. It took you too long to prune. So now you're busy dealing with stuff that's overgrown. Are you catching the point? So when I don't prune something, think, think of, think of, going into your house and if you got trees in front of your house in front of the door and you've not pruned those trees there's no walkway so what do you spend your time doing and then when you get through the house you cut up you got all this you got leaves all on you all that because now you've you've created delay but the delays because of distraction but the distractions caused because of delayed pruning it, it, it's caused because of your 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 inability to handle it so here's the final thing we're going to pray, and, uh, and we're going to get this. There are things in our lives, A, B, C, D, that we need to prune. How many of us would agree with that? I, I mean, that should be all of us. Things in our lives that we need to prune. And I saw this experience going a little different, but I, I, I sense what's necessary. Here's the reason we often don't prune is because it's uncomfortable. I'm used to it this way. And now I have to prune that, which means I'm going to have to do it another way. When you catch bitterness, it's like, but I want to be mad right now. I want to be in my funk right now. I want to be functified. I, I know my attitude is bad, and I just want to have it right now. just mad. I'm feeling some type of way. I don't want to be bothered with nobody right now. And what you have to do is immediately your attitude way too high. You need to cut it. That bitterness is way too loud. You need to are you hearing what I'm saying? Those crazy confessions are way too crazy. You need to cut it. And when you, when you delay doing that, now you're distracted. If you were to look over the first 10 months of this year, what is still undone from January? 
And we're like, I just got so much going on. I'm just so overwhelmed. God says, no, you're just so distracted. You have not pruned what needs to be pruned. You've not cut what needs to be cut. So here's, here's what my assignment is right now. Say, Lord, show me areas in my attitude, with bitterness, with my confessions, where I'm distracted, where I need to do some pruning. And your word says, if I prune, you won't have to prune for me. So I ask you for the grace to prune myself. And as I prune myself, I'll see fruit. I'll see effectiveness. I'll see acceleration. I'll see results. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I pray that today's life-giving message has spoken life into your life. I'm Bishop Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, and at this time, I want to extend an opportunity to you to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, 2,000 years ago, God stepped in a body. That body was called Jesus. That body got on a cross and died for our sins. Now, sins are things that we do that don't please God, and they ultimately don't please God because they ultimately are very harmful and dangerous to us. Not only did he die for our sins, he died so we could have life and life more abundantly. Here's what that means. That not only do we experience God's best, but that we can speak life into other people and use our lives to change the lives of other people. And today, if you need to become a Christian for the first time, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved or born again or become a Christian. All those phrases mean the same thing. And if today you were far from God, this is your opportunity to reconnect to God. I love him because uh, he's not the God of a second chance. The truth is, is we've all used our second chance already. He's the God of another chance. He offers us constant new beginnings and fresh starts to get things right for him. He gave his life for us so that we could give our lives for him. So today, if you need to become a Christian or recommit yourself to Jesus right there where you're at, I don't care where you're listening to this message, I want you to say this for me. Say, Father... In the name of Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Because of this belief and because of this confession, if this is my first time praying this, I am now a Christian. If I was far from you, I am reconnected to you. Great days are here for me. Today is the beginning of the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, you are now a Christian. You're born again. You're saved from yourself. And if you were far from God, you're reconnected to God. And here's what I want you to do. Take out your mobile phone and text the word decision to the phone number 59769. And when you do, I'm going to send you a message right away that's going to show you how to make Christianity your lifestyle and not just a hobby. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. You are connected to me and connected to Harvest Church for a reason. It's because this is the place God wants to speak life into your life. This is the place God wants you to grow and become a strong Christian and, and serve and change the lives of other people. So stay connected, whether it's at a physical campus or a digital campus, stay connected to Harvest Church. Keep receiving this word and let it speak life into your life. Hope you have a phenomenal day. Hey, congratulations. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Ah. 
Feel the woe with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. 